what would you call me? What would you define me as as you consume this content? Do you consume can call me a a tastemaker, a DJ, a enthusiast, a journalist, a critic? I like to be just a guy that likes music, but that probably isn't enough. Hey, it's Derek G. Derek G speaks volumes. Volume eight. Not that I'm trying to count. Not that I'm trying to. It doesn't. Who cares about numbers? It's like the Roe Jogan podcast is, you know, thousands of episodes, and you definitely don't need to number them because no one's paying attention to that. But it is the podcast, and the topic of the day is this music criticism needs to be more like art criticism and art criticism needs to be more like music criticism, the saga. And before I start, everyone that's been commenting on this, thank you, podcast, everyone that's been commenting on Spotify and Anchor and things like that, thank you too, because I see them. I don't think you can reply to them, but I see them and thank you. And I would love to hear in in, in the comments, what other podcasts you'd like from me, what other questions you have in things you're interested with me things that you might want my take of it will always help because if i do thousands of episodes then i will eventually get to everything i think someone asked me to do something about kevin parker and tame impala which is kind of like basically stored away in the back of my brain now i'll be like okay let me think and see what my angle is on that because i don't know what my angle is at the moment on kevin parker i have lots of thoughts but nothing crystallized and i think that's what the concept is about with Derek G Speaks Volumes is having a thesis. And there's not really much of a thesis I have yet for young, is he younger than me or older than me? Parker. So, but we will get there. I think he's an intriguing figure. So yeah, let me know. But let me break down today's podcast because I think I've really thought about music criticism a lot more since becoming a content creator, since becoming someone that has developed a profile. Because before that, I didn't really think too much about it. It just existed in the world. So you have music reviewers, you have people that rank, you have Rolling Stone, Enemy, Pitchfork, all these places that give something point something out of 10. They give a star rating and it was cool. And I remember... And one year in particular, maybe it was 2014, 15, something like that. I had a spreadsheet and I I was one of those people that was listening to every album and gave them a rating out of 10 with the point system as well, like decimal point system. It felt significant to me. It felt like, oh, I listen to a lot. I should rank them. It's really cool to have, you know, massive albums that everyone's heard of and and right next to really, really weird, you know, resident advisor type (laughs) electronic albums have the same rating. I thought that was exciting to me. And I think because of where where I am and what I've created, it has changed. It has changed a lot because I share music. I talk about music. I I, I share my opinions and my love for music with you guys. And it's turned into something that's really, I'm really quite precious about and I take it quite personally. And and because I've built a bit of a, a profile sharing the love for music, 
the idea of ranking music and rating music has made me feel a bit ill. It's just not nice. It's not, it's not a good system. It's not, I don't like it. And I, I don't want to go as far as to say I don't like people that do it, but I think that it can be quite toxic, the people that do it, because I see on TikTok, YouTube, wherever, top 100 albums of the year. I have listened to 500 albums this year, and these are my top 20. And I just, it's not the point of music and also is obviously arbitrary, which is fine. It's, it's, it's subjective, but we all, I think as much as like 24 hour news media is toxic for the mind, I think this is like, it's designed to polarize. It's designed to get people arguing and it's not really helpful. I don't think. And if you see any reviewer go, okay, well, this one's, it's almost like, you know, the Rolling Stone lists where it's like, there'll just be, there'll be three in the top 10 that are just like, what? <laughs> but, and you kind of wonder if, was, was that intentional? Was that, um, was that designed so that they could get a rise out of you? Because it gets a rise out of me when you, you see certain things in there. So, you know, it's, it's made me think about, uh, music criticism a lot and that it's it's I don't like it I was going to say it's dangerous it's not dangerous but I think there are definite problems and then I think about and spoke about with my brother-in-law recently he's a uh, he has a PhD in, PhD in visual art in some form obviously I don't know what the PhD was on is a doctor in in that case is a lecturer uh, in teaching fine art and I was kind of asking him and trying to understand the world of art criticism and you know me my mind I like to learn things I like to understand how other things work and I think that art criticism has a totally different structure and visual arts criticism and I think that there's a lot to learn there's a lot to borrow from and it it's not perfect by any means but I think that it would be nice to see a world in which the two worlds got closer together. Because at the end of the day, we are criticizing, analyzing, enjoying art. And maybe that the end, the beginning is, the end is at the beginning because perhaps that's all it is. You just enjoy it and don't think about it too much, which is, this is the truth. But I think there's obviously a function to criticism. So. Let's go with hmm, music criticism first. So I think the pros are fairly obvious. If there's a unanimous feeling towards a record, it often is a good sign of a good album and something that people, if it's unanimous enough, people can really look at at the time and uh, be pointed in the right direction of what is quality and what is not. In saying that, you know, I don't know about the criticisms of like Taylor Swift's latest album and like if it was unanimous in a like younger audience world. But I think it is, it gives people the ability to understand, you know, when they open up the newspaper, when they open up blogs, what's, what's relevant, what's good, what's high quality and what's significant. I think it's also good for 
being reactive it's it's a much more easily consumable piece of content so people are able to uh, put it a marker in history very quickly and be able to celebrate and enjoy these modern rock stars today someone puts out an album today tomorrow they could be a star and sell out arenas and people could go see them and really enjoy it, love it. And you are living the culture that exists now and that help, that is helped by the propagation and critical acclaim of these people. Like say Billie Eilish, Billie Eilish is always going to be Billie Eilish, but there was this kind of, Oh, Billie Eilish is for kids, but no, but the critics love her too. And Oh, albums you know great album and top lists and all that sort of stuff and then it helps solidify her as a something someone to be taken seriously and i think that music criticism can be a lot faster than uh art criticism which i'll get into later so celebrating the living um is important <laughs> and also holding to account lazy artists uh not every not every artist takes reviews seriously but i think a lot do labels do and if a album is just bad off rip if a label is just a bit tired and uh you know bloated and they get called out perhaps the artist will look at that maybe if their if their ego is sensitive enough be able to accept the criticism and try to evolve and adapt. And I think that whilst he might not ever admit to it, I think that Tyler, the creator, probably uh, took heed of some of the criticisms of such albums as Cherry Bomb or Wolf, which were messy, and eventually got to the point where his albums were concise and well-shaped and leads to a better output and... Uh, definitely more iconic work and because we are celebrating the, the the work of the living he's able to react to that change it and and evolve and and produce something even greater those are the general pros i would say and you know if 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 something out of the blue gets five stars from someone or 10 out of 10 then they can change their lives it can change their careers I don't know if it changed the careers of an artist like Kieran J. Callanan when Anthony Fantano was like one of his favorite albums of the year, but it definitely like puts a person that has no business being in the same list as other massive acts. No business in so much as like no very little budget, very little notoriety, you know, social following, whatever you want to call it. And then suddenly this person's thrust into like, oh yeah, you are next to to pimp a butterfly as one of the greatest albums of the year, you know, subjectively. So it can change lives as well. But the cons list for me is a lot longer. The 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 number one con for me is that most of the reviewers aren't qualified. They define qualification, but I think art criticism should come with some some sense of 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 qualification and i think to an extent just say i was to be a, a music critic which i would never want to be at least i have a qualification of 
being a radio host for more than 10 years and and putting out weekly shows where I'm able to have a good sense on a weekly basis of the the new music release world and be able to curate it and form an opinion on it. I think I've been noticing on, on TikTok, especially lots of new creators are getting shared to me because I think that they want new faces and new content. And it's always guys, I would say, and it's always like, here are my top 10 albums of the last month. Here are my, you know, 30 best albums from men under 20. I don't know. I'm making it up, but it's it's like, who are you and who, what? I know, look, you've got every right to make content. You've got every right to have an opinion, but I don't trust your criticism because in what kind of critical background do you have to be able to analyze uh, and criticize uh, this stuff with this, but this is art, you know, you go into an art gallery and you can criticize stuff. But, you know, if you call yourself someone that wants to critique, then you should have some sort of qualification of some sort, not an official piece of paper, but I think it, it's, it's necessary to show that you really understand uh, the longevity and the impact of of music criticism, the impact of music criticism, I think is an important thing to think about. I think that music criticism is mostly wrong. If you look at Wikipedia and you look at some of the greatest albums of all time and you read the reception at the time, I would say more often than not, like 75% of the time, it's like at the time this album was critically panned which is my main argument about music criticism being flawed is that often is the case that iconic artists that are really making special work, they're ahead of their time. They understand where the culture is going, where sound is going or pioneering that sound for everyone to, to catch on to. And sometimes that takes years and critics will go, this is, this is strange. This is weird. This is messy. This is not what this genre is about. And one star and then you look back at it 10 years later and you go this album influenced everything influenced every single artist after that it changed the game it changed the format changed how people wrote verses it changed how people wrote melodies it it influenced the whole generation and uh, i don't have to speak on him too much but kanye west and 808s and heartbreaks is the best recent example of that where it was like this is awful this album Auto-tune everything. He's not a singer. The beats are simple. It rambles. But that influenced everyone from Drake to Travis Scott and uh, completely turned what hip-hop was on its head to being melodic and experimental. So music criticism can't, can't understand the art a lot of the time and what the artist is trying to communicate because they're too busy wanting to like it and rate it instantly. And I think that any album that I've ever loved on any significant level, it's taken me a long time to really build a relationship with that album because it's art, you know? Like, one shouldn't just go into an art gallery and go, yes, yes, no, yes, yes, no, 10 out of 10, 9 out of 10, 3 out of 10. <laughs> like, you will probably go back to Picasso after seeing on Mondrian and say, and like you'll see Mondrian and be like, they're just squares, this sucks. And then one day you'll go there after understanding the, what context Mondrian lived in and what surrounded their work and go, you know what? That's actually really incredible. I think Mondrian's amazing, you know?
So it, music criticism does not take into account time. There is very few places that review an album after a long period of time to really place it in music history because it has to be reviewed that week or usually it's reviewed before it comes out and hasn't really sunk into how the fans like it, how people in the culture are reacting to it. And uh, in addition to this, it's, it's designed to sell papers, to get clicks, to, to, for publications to, to benefit from this art. And so, so much of this stuff is clickbaity, baity. And so they will, you know, Fantano and, and Twisted Fantasy giving it a six is like the best PI you can have. And not that I think he designed it that way, but it's, it's, it's exciting for people to turn a subjective opinion into something that you can love or hate someone about. Because I would say like in the case of a Twisted Fantasy, I didn't like it as it came out. I think there are brilliant songs on there, but I don't think it's a great complete package album. And so, but that took me a long time to comprehend that I think it's a fantastic album, but it's not a great experience of an album, you know? So it takes time for me. And I think when you see people say, here are my top 100 albums, Based on what and can you really compare them? Can you really compare them? If you have a grouper album and a Steve Lacey album, can you really and should you really compare them? Because they're so different and they're so beautiful in different ways. And maybe they can just exist on your shelf and enjoy them together. Ah, I an idealist. And then lastly, for a con, I think that there's no quality control. There's no... There's... It, you, you can review anything and give it a 10. <laughs> and there's so much music coming out now that how do you really know what... Uh, there are so many great albums that never get listened to, you know? And I'm, I'm about to get to the art section, but to jump to a bit of it, like there's no, you know, gallerists or, or things to represent, you know, quality. And I think that it, it's kind of missing. You can say, well, there's record labels. Well, yeah, there's record labels. There's also distribution companies and there's also independent releases. And so anyone can release anything these days and it doesn't really matter. And then you can go, well, this album, the Carly Rae Jepsen album is clearly a 10 out of 10. But then you'll have like an artist like Baby Father who will put out an album and no one will listen to it. And I probably would say that insignificance of art is is a pr probably more important record than the Kylie Rae Jepsen one that no one will ever hear type thing. Well, not ever, you know. So there's a lot of stuff out there that it, it's, it's hard to say these are the top 10 albums of the year. I know you can't listen to everything, but so let's go on to art, right? What we can, the, the pros and cons, and I think it's fairly obvious what they can take from each other, which I'll, I'll summarize with. The art world the pros are that the generally critics are qualified. 
They study it. Art criticism is a career, is something that you take very seriously and you have a vast knowledge of music history. You have a vast knowledge of the journey of an artist, understanding what they're trying to communicate and, and the context in which they exist in order to create such work that might have cultural significance. And the criticism usually is not short form, it's quite long form and takes into account so much, including what they've achieved thus far, who is supporting them, where they've been shown, and comes to a point where it really wants to, it's almost like it wants to contribute back to the art world with the submission of, a, of, of its critique. And it's taken so seriously that uh, it can, it, it's almost like having, you know, papers for a Rolex watch. You know, it's, it's, it's markers that validate the work as being of quality and of history and is filed away in a place that is noted by gallerists, critics, historians. And, you know, if you've got a PhD in it, you probably know what, what needs to happen in order to be considered significant. There are problems with that too, yes. Curators and gallerists are a really important part of being a visual artist. You, a gallerist will show your work. A gallerist wants to sell your work. A gallerist wants to represent you. And these people don't just pick up the old hobbyist that's doing, did an art class and now says I'm like hashtag art on their Instagram and they they look at the person, they look at almost the provenance of the work, they look at their history and they go, I want to represent you because this is going to help your career and it's going to help my career because I picked you up, Mr. Artist who's 22 years old, 42 years old. I think you're doing something significant. I want to represent it. It comes in, falls inside my body of work as a curator and gallerist and that is going to... Uh, help propel both of us to new places. And I think that to the quality control of music, these people are also very well educated in the, the world of visual art. And it's a stamp of approval, but it's on, on a much smaller scale. I'm sure there are stamps of approval on a much larger scale, but I think you need to have a gallerist. You need to be represented by someone at some point if you're a serious artist. And it takes a lot of time and consideration and respect in order to get someone to represent you. And doesn't I don't I don't see, and maybe maybe I'm just not in the right bubble, but I don't see people going, here are the top 100. I've seen every painting of 2022. And here are my top 100. Uh, it, it's a lot slower moving, which is also a problem, but it's a lot slower moving of like, okay, you know, this is your period of three to five years and this is what you're achieving and this is what we, we're representing. And I think that the quality control that comes with that is admirable and is respected. And so I could go on with lots of pros, but I'll go one more, which is like, and this is almost a con as well, artfacts.net, which was told to be my my brother-in-law. He's also an artist. Did I say that? <laughs> I liken it to the tennis pros where you're like number one in the world, number two. In the 
is, and as much as I say that I have a problem with rankings, and I do, and it's a bit gross, but they have they rank artists. And whilst that's like, well, Derek, that's not a good thing if you don't like ranking. True. But it's interesting how they do it. So number one is Andy Warhol currently. Number of, say, in the top 10 is uh, Damien Hurst and Basquiat and stuff like that. How they how do they get these rankings? And, you know, if I become an artist, I can enter myself in there and I would have to earn my stripes to get in the top. I don't know how many are in there. 500,000. The, the rankings work in multiple different ways. One of the key markers is what shows have you been in? Who has shown your work? And there's probably each gallery, gallerist, curator, mostly gallery has a probably different quality score, point score. And if you're shown in the Tate 10 times, if you're shown and it's not just exhibited, maybe permanent collection, you get more stuff. If you get shown these places, you get this much accolade. If you're shown in one place in, you know, the middle of nowhere, you'll probably get, you know, point one of a point. I don't know. If you're shown a different, if you're shown in one country, then you get less. If you're shown in multiple countries, you're shown more and given more. And if you are, I'm sure they take into account how much people are buying, selling, what they're going for, the frequency of movement, the demand to give you a bit of an assessment of who is, who is relevant right now. But also in the top 10, there are lots of top 100, there's lots of dead people. So it's not a like for like for music, right? Because it's, uh, uh, I'm sure Vincent van Gogh, van Gogh, as my Dutch friend said, is in there somewhere <laughs> as well. So, but it's interesting though. I find this shit really interesting because it's like, okay, quality isn't based on the old Joe that's told you that they've listened to 500 albums. It's like the the world of art and criticism and 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 presentation and galleries have deemed you as someone that is moving the needle there's enough markers it's almost scientific should we scientific make scientifies make art scientific no but it's interesting there's more qualifications i'd like to say cons dead people <laughs> i think art criticism takes a long time because artists take a long time to develop and you can do a show every three years potentially and it represents a particular thing and then you've got to do all this other work. Art is generally speaking slower to make, slower to consume, very much more, more expensive to buy, harder to see, harder to experience. And so it's slower moving and then it doesn't have the same impact. And so uh, an important artist might not only be recognized, Basquiat, once he's very much six feet under, as much as he'll celebrate at the time, you know what I mean? You know, he's getting his flowers now more than ever and selling for more than ever and he didn't make much of any of that money. So it is slow moving and, and perhaps the structures are flawed in that way that it, this is my second point, it can't, it can't, it can't celebrate 
current artists to the extent that music can. You can't, what, who is the Billie Eilish of the visual arts world? And maybe people could tell me, but it's not as prevalent. It's not as marketable. It's not as sexy. You can't exactly put a painting in a stadium and everyone goes, <laughs> the crowd goes mild, you know, it's not, it's not that sort of thing. So it's, it's a nature of the beast as well, but it's not something where it's, it, it's, it is almost a shame that you can't have rock stars of art where it's like this person is so exciting, so relevant, so different, and you need to pay attention to them because you're going to miss out on, on works of greatness. And the only young people that ever get celebrated in art are the ones on like like the last news story on, a, uh, on the Friday Night News where it's like this three-year-old is a prodigy of art. <laughs> poor kids probably turn into like drug addicts in the future but you know these aren't the artists that need to be celebrated and I, I guarantee you there are incredible artists that are doing things that are really representative of their time that we won't know about until we're 50 years older and we'll look back and go oh did, did you know in 2023 there was this person that was making art out of their own feces and was incredible <laughs> because at the time probably was disgusting and no one wanted to see it you know but it was just so dedicated to their fecal um, forays that they were able to be uh, uh, trailblazing in, in some sense. Hey, just cutting in here to say that being a new podcast, technical difficulties, we love to see it. So my audio cut off after that point. So new outfit, new glasses. Let's keep rolling with <laughs> the content. Sigh. Anyway, here's where we are in the world. So where were we? I think in terms of the art industry, especially, it's very gatekept. That's another problem that it's who you know, not just how good you are. So there might be some person that is a hobbyist in a shed in the middle of nowhere that's making incredible art that probably never be seen or acknowledged because the right people have not given it its stamp of approval to really appreciate it and the structures aren't there for those people which i think the music industry can do very well it can accelerate people to the point where you can make one amazing song and you can get really popular in the art world you can make an incredible piece of art that no one understands and it not be seen ever or discovered 200 years later as being somewhat significant and radical within the scene so gatekeeping is everywhere and in the art industry it is slower than ever i think that it is in addition to that it is a long way between being a hobbyist and an artist so we we, we all know relatives usually retirees that start doing art and say that they're artists and and that's valid in to many extents but they might not have gone through a lifetime of process in order to achieve their work. And so therefore it is not deemed as culturally valuable, but perhaps it is because they lived a life. And so it's a long, it's a long road between being a hobbyist and an artist. I think that one of the biggest problems is that it's driven by value. And I think the music world is heading in this direction as well, whereby music is seen more through as assets these days, because music can be seen as a marketing when it comes out, because it, holds not much inherent value until you're a superstar. So it's just, it's potential and it's marketing and used to propel a, an artist. And then when you establish yourself and you have a storied long career, then you have these, these assets, this passive income that could pay you for the rest of your life that people might buy for a hundred million dollars. And that is where the music industry is headed. 
And as well as that, the art scene has definitely been there for a long time. So people see your process and your path and your lineage as markers that will define how much value you might have in the future. They can trade off and sell their Christie's and Sotheby's and those sorts of auction houses and can make people millions and billions of dollars and can be stored in humidity controlled rooms for people to not see ever. And you might buy this art and you'll never see it outside of the auction YouTube page. And then it will go into humidity controlled rooms for 20 years and then they'll sell it for double the amount of money and then, and then it will sit into another person's vault. And that's definitely problematic. And, uh, you know, the, the traders of the world wouldn't want to think that there's a problem with that and that the value of art needs to go down. But I think that in order to open up the world from the accessibility point of view, then uh, some things need to change. Otherwise, you know, Basquiat and Andy Warhol will be the artists to trade for a long time to come, you know. So dead artists make money. So that's a problem. And there's a lot of problems as well with the art industry. And I think we could all learn from each other. So to conclude, let's kind of wrap up. I think to that end of learning from each other, I think in the music industry, there does need to be more accountability. There does need to be more educated experts. I would like, and this won't happen, but I would like there to be more experts that actually can appreciate a journey of an artist can appreciate that an album takes time to to get to know and i would like them to have that breathing room without every old joe in his bedroom rating something 3.3 out of 10 after listening to it once because i find that sort of uh commentary on culture to be gross commentary on art to be gross because that's it is art it is not uh, the only things you should be rating are like energy ratings on your on your dishwasher or or food and health safety rating of a person's restaurant. I think that most, not most, a lot of art that is like controversially bad is actually really good. Anything that's unanimously heralded as great immediately is generally kind of more mediocre than people think just a lot of efforts being put into it <laughs> and then anything that's just whatever and bad no one's rating anywhere because it's just average and just like your mate has just dropped an album because he's he's you know bought a teenage engineering synthesizer you know I think that that leads to my next part of like quality control. Just because you can doesn't mean you should and doesn't mean just because you can upload and put it on Spotify doesn't make you an artist. And uh, the music industry can learn from the art industry in that way. Like you need certain checkpoints to be able to recognize that this is of quality and there's not enough of that. So there's, you know, just look at some playlists, some popular playlists that are out on say Spotify certain people will put things in there because either major label support, maybe they're a little bit buzzy, but the music isn't actually good. I know that's subjective, but you know, you could look back on all of these lists of playlists of new music Friday, or whatever, and go like, how many of these 
songs, 200 songs added every week are actually good and will be listened to over time. 1%? One? One song? Maybe? Maybe, you know? It's pretty dire. Um, I would like to... I would like to see more women in music criticism because it's mostly men because men like to quantify most things and organize most things in, in their lives. And I'm talking about myself as well. We like to be able to put things in lists and put things on shelves. Take this behind me, for instance. When I first had a go of it before my wife gave me a hand with it, you know, I just put things there that I like, that I own. It's very binary. It's like, I bought this. I like this. <laughs> it goes on the shelf. There is very, for me, and I still am educating myself in this, like there is very little celebration of the intangible, of the decorative, of the emotional. And I think that's what is lacking in most male music reviewers is the things about the, 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 the feeling aspects of things, the things that you can't touch, the things that are not said, the things that are left unsaid have been, are not really as considered. So I think that we can only really have half of an understanding of what most artists are saying because we, we tend to look at things and then clearly try to categorize them as quickly as possible, look at their lyricism, look at you know, the samples and all that sort of stuff. But maybe underneath all of that, there's something more that is being missed. And I think that perhaps there's a there's an overflow of male reviewers because perhaps on the other side of things, it's not as interesting to, to, to try to categorize. But I think that the voice of women would be appreciated in the music criticism scene. Lastly, I, I wonder if an artfacts.net thing is would be interesting i think like i said there's lots of problematic things about it but perhaps there's a certain place where you can where artists can grow in uh value not monetarily necessarily but you know through reputation via being shown in the right places being performed in the right places being credited in the right places uh because I think a lot of bad artists get really popular and that's a disservice to art. But perhaps always that has to always exist. I think comparatively in the art world, the art world needs to be able to celebrate the now, be able to accelerate the exciting and almost put value on it because, and be decisive, be decisive that, this is great now and this is significant now. And I think the art world is very, it struggles to achieve that because it's so overthought that if there's not enough meaning and impact on it and reflection on it, then it's not good. And perhaps the guy's banana on the wall was a really incredible moment. I think it might be. I think it might be because it was such a statement, much like Duchamp, it's such a statement that it, it stirred up a conversation that needed to happen. And that is art, perhaps. In, saying, in, in that, I would like the artists to be paid now. I would like there to be a structure in which the assets, you don't have to wait until you're dead to, to 
find out via your estate that you are you are have been of any value uh i don't know how that what that would take perhaps a really educated global view of things and about trends and really seeing people that are doing things differently and having a platform to celebrate that i think that i'd love to see less snobs i think that the art the art world is very difficult to feel included in unless you're you are educated and that you are informed and well read and i think a lot of people get intimidated by art galleries because the perception of these places are people wear horn rim glasses angled hair haircuts and um plastic jewelry that are bought in art stores you know or like you know that's kind of one 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 representation or it's like very very top of the line auctioneer type houses that know the value and the you know that sort of thing so that's i'd like to see the snobbery get away from it uh, and feel more part of like current culture not just like antique culture if you will um and i would like art to get cheaper as well i think that i would like to have an art collection but most of it i can't afford and sure you have to pay for people's time um if if they charge a thousand dollars and they spent 20 hours on it it's not that great of a rate for what they're trying to do especially when they're selling ip so what is the what is the kind of ability to invest in art and support art that's not going to break people's banks because i think that when you collect art that's one of the final stages of being like fairly comfortable in life because you need food you need a couch you need you know lots of other things before you want to invest and spend on art and that's i think that's where like the blockchain and nfts was trying to solve about like the certificate almost um the token is owned by the artist and even though you sell it multiple times that artist still gets a percentage cut i do think that's a good idea because they're creating the work and then people are making lots of money off it i don't think nfts are a good idea but i think that the underlying license it should be almost more like the music industry you're not selling a piece of canvas you are selling like you know you've got the master and the publishing you've got the the right of the original recording and then you have the right to exploit said work through various means and that would be really cool to explore from the outset when you make an art it work it comes with your masters and your publishing and uh, that would be really i wonder if that exists I think lastly it's it, it's down to us to conclude. I think we have to in the art world and in the music world we have to support the artist uh and we have to celebrate the artist more than we criticize the artist. And that's not to say that we can't be critical, but the way that my personal philosophy stands is that I would prefer to share and celebrate art that I like and not talk about the things that I don't like. The things that I don't like can sit somewhere else with someone else to celebrate and enjoy. And I hate to use an example over and over again because I don't want a scapegoat or use as a common example, but take Taylor Swift. The music is not made for me. It is not written for me. I don't relate to it. And I don't talk, <laughs> I'm talking about it now. You know, I don't on my, on my content feeds, TikTok and Instagram, I'm not going on there rating it out of 10. I'm not trying to be controversial and upsetting people. In this long form setting, I can be more nuanced and I can talk about it and not feel like I'm going after it. It's not made for me. And there's a whole generation of people that it's made for that absolutely adore it. And you guys can talk about it. I'll talk about other things. And so 
we need to support, celebrate the artist art and artists that we love. Be critical of things in an environment in, in which we can criticize and in, in a setting that feels constructive. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't feel like it's just something that will help to just be like, this is mid, this is bad, this is good, because I don't think there's such a thing. Art versus music. Art is music. Music is art. The art industry versus music. I hope you enjoyed the unpacking. I enjoyed that a lot. And even though I'm take, I'm, I'm cutting this take and speaking about it after the fact because my audio cut off, my mind still races for it. And like, I, I really find the topic interesting and hopefully it's expanded your mind in different places. Hopefully you'll go to a gallery. Hopefully you'll buy some tickets to a show. Hopefully you'll tell someone that you like some music. No appendix for today because I don't have much to update you on. But... Thank you for listening. Thank you for the people reviewing and putting nice comments on the different places. If you see it, share it, like it, star it, because more than it propagates the podcast, it's really, it really means a lot to me. I see the stars and I'm like, wow, that's cool. That's really cool. Have a good rest of your day. This has been Derek G Speaks Volumes. Bye. <laughs>